two, John with the colored illustration removed, <laughs> uh, page 1229. And as you open that, you'll find there isn't a 1229. There's <laughs> a 1228. So if you wouldn't mind turning to that. If you've got a red Bible, I'm going to have to trust in you to try and find it yourself. Claire, can I give you the microphone? Thanks very much. Now, as Claire said a moment ago, this is a passage of Scripture that we often skip over. Uh, it doesn't sort of fit into a preaching series. It's, uh, it's actually a real little gem. And I hope that by actually looking at it in front of you, you could see the whole book. I didn't need to project it up. I thought, ah, why don't we just see the whole thing together on the page there? So first of all, why to John? Well, the answer is, we think that John wrote at least three letters or epistles, and this is the second one. And you'll be thinking, but didn't he write the gospel as well? And yes, he wrote the magnum opus, his gospel. But then he also wrote some letters, and we think he also wrote the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Well, we know he did. So this little gem, written by John the Apostle, calls himself the Elder, as you can see there. Now, I'm going to read it through quite slowly, and I want you to notice any repetitions of words or ideas. So we do a little bit of inductive Bible study. You'll just see what you see. Is that okay? On your toes or on your backsides? But <laughs> uh, so we're going to look for repetitions. The elder to the chosen lady or lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have and what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and doesn't continue in the teaching of Christ doesn't have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and doesn't bring this teaching, don't take them into your house or welcome them. 
Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I've much to write to you, but I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who's chosen by God, send their greeting. So that's it. We've read the whole book of a, whole of a one book of the Bible. Okay. What words did you see repeated? Anybody like to shout out? Truth. truth. Okay, hands up for those who spotted that there was a lot of truth there. Great. Next one. Love. Hands up those who spotted lots of love there. Lots of love. Great. So there's truth, there's love. Who else spotted something? Say that loud, please. Commands. There's a lot of commands. I beg your pardon, hearing's not so good. I shouldn't try this exercise. Commands. He commands and commands, commands. Two of them are verbs and two nouns. Commands to do and then following the commands. Okay, so it's a letter about those things. Did you spot the repeated use of the word walking? Quite a lot of walking in truth and walking in love. Anything? Now, not so much a word, but a, an idea that's repeated. Teaching. 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 A lot about teaching. Teaching the truth. We've got quite a few teachers in this afternoon. Right and wrong teaching and this deceitful or truthful teaching. Okay. Well... You can relax now. You don't have to do any more thinking. I'm going to speak to you, and you can now go to sleep, all right? <laughs> uh, well, I hope not, and not too much. Um, so, what's the title of my sermon today? Walking in a colored picture and love. Okay, fill in the missing letters, answer truth. It, actually, just today I realized that I should be walking in truth and the truth, because the word used here, the Greek word, in two cases, it's got the word the before, and in two cases, it's just truth. I only realized when I reread this in the Eugene Peterson version, and he then says this. Okay, so he writes this translation of it. My dear congregation, in other words, that's what he's saying is, instead of John writing chosen lady, he says, okay, I'm writing to a congregation. I, your pastor, love you in very truth. So there's the one truth. And I'm not alone. Everyone who knows the truth, capital T for truth, that has taken up permanent residence in you, loves your following of the truth. Let grace, mercy, and peace be with you in truth and love from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I can't tell you how happy I am to learn that many of the members of your congregation are diligent in living out the, capital T, truth. So as I'm preparing this sermon... I'm constantly discovering things right up to today. 
So I do uh, have about 25 different sermons to preach, and they're all bits and pieces. So in one sense, I hope that something of this makes sense. John is saying that he loves with integrity, with truth. So who is this John who loves? He's John the disciple, the youngest disciple, the one who Jesus on the cross says, your mother, take care of her. In other words, passes Mary on to him. He's the one who witnesses his own brother, James, either personally or hears about James, who was the first apostle to be executed after Stephen was martyred. Acts chapter 12. So John, who features all the way in the book of Acts, he's alongside Peter. We always see Peter, but he's put in prison. He says, I should obey God, not man. So it's that John, and he's now gone on. And again, Eugene Preterson has some very helpful words. He says this. This letter is from John. In his youth, John was one of Jesus' closest friends. He remained a leader in the Jerusalem church through famine, opposition, and his brother James's execution. Then the Jews of Palestine revolted against Rome in AD 66 to 70. After a devastating siege, the Romans burned Jerusalem and drove the surviving Jews, including Christian Jews, into exile. John found refuge in Ephesus, where Christians had been spreading the message for 20 years. With both Peter and Paul dead, John became the beloved elder to the believers in the cities around Ephesus, all around Ephesus. So, we've got somebody who loved Jesus, stuck with Jesus, witnessed to Jesus, faced persecution for being a follower of Jesus. And then, he writes to this congregation, this beloved congregation. And he says, I'm just delighted that you are following the truth. I'm, with all integrity and truth, delighted you're following the truth. And who is the truth that John knows? John's Gospel Chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John knows the truth. He's followed the truth. He's seen the truth in action. When Jesus said, be healed, it happened. It was true. He witnessed this man of truth who, when with the four Pontius Pilate, was asked, what is truth? And Jesus didn't answer. Why not? Why didn't Jesus say, I am? Answers, Pilate asked the wrong question. If Pilate had said, who is truth? I believe Jesus would have said, I am. The truth is propositional, Jesus the Son of God. That's a statement. But ultimately truth is not just propositional, it's personal. We Christians believe the truth, Jesus the Son of God. 
crucified, buried, risen again, propositional statements, crucial to doctrine and teaching and understanding. And John wants that kind of truth. But he also is somebody who follows Jesus the truth. Isn't that wonderful? Today, we come together in an age where truth is being hammered left, right, and center. I'm sure you've been following the news and, uh, about the whole thing of truth in Parliament with our Prime Minister and investigation. Did he mislead? Was he being truthful? When he apologized, was that truthful? Truth is so fundamental to trusting someone. And John knew Jesus was the truth. He lived for the truth. And he comes to the late stage of his life and he discovers this church that he writes to. And they are sticking to the truth. They've not deviated from it. And he says, what joy it brings me to know that you are walking in the truth, living in the truth. You're living out the truth. You know the truth, who is Jesus. You know the truth that is factual, and you're living it out in person, in reality. I reached the grand age of 73 uh, on the Queen's birthday, 21st of April. So do send me a card next year, 21st of April. That's the truth. I'm not lying, but you don't have to pay it. And don't send me a card, please. <laughs> But for my birthday, I got this from a nephew who, he's been through a tough time. And sometimes I wonder, is he still hanging on to his faith? And I'm reminded of John discovering the joy of this church following the truth. And my nephew, whose name is Andrew, wrote this. I recently read this book, and it really helped me understand some of the difficult passage of the, passages of the Bible. The bits we skip over. He didn't know we were going to be looking at one of the Bible passages we skip over. Because they don't make sense to our modern way of thinking. I hope you find it enlightening from Andrew. Oh, didn't that just give me joy? Yes, that he's thought of me. He's shown me love. But it tells me about him. He's wrote elsewhere in an email that he spent three months studying this book, The Unseen Realm, Rediscovering the Supernatural Worldview in the Bible. Doesn't it bring us joy when we know people who are carrying on in the truth? It enriches and encourages us. And uh, so I thought I would share that with you. But if we're thinking of truth, we can sometimes get a little bit hard-edged, a bit narrow, and a bit... Uh, it's my truth, and uh, you, you should be doing things my way. And it's a difficult one. In this passage, John says very clearly that he's delighted they're following the truth and that they should avoid those people, verse 7, I say this because many deceivers who don't acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ as coming in the flesh have gone into the world. Any such person is a deceiver and the Antichrist. So John 
is delighted this church is following the truth, but also is warning them not just to follow the truth, but to resist untruth. I was a tutor on a, a course a couple of months ago, uh, and my co-tutor with, on this uh, Christianity Explored uh, course, uh, I said, they don't seem to talk about any of the teachings being wrong or any heresies. Oh no, the person said, we, we don't like to talk about heresies these days. We want everybody just to look at all the different truths. Some of you who did the Living in Love and Faith uh, course might have spotted it a little bit. We don't like to be defining truth. But what about John? He's very clear that there is a right and a wrong truth with regard to Jesus. The right truth is that Jesus came in the flesh. Now, I'll tell you, this is not a big issue today, the person of Christ's incarnation. It's not that massively under attack that I'm aware of. But in the day that John was writing, there was uh, various movements, one of them called docetism, which was saying, the Greek word docet means to appear, that Jesus just appeared to come as a man. He wasn't really a man, he just appeared to be a man. He was really divine. And so it wasn't a man who died on the cross, he just appeared to. And then there's another similar uh, 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 deviation from the truth, heresy, by somebody called Corinthus. And he was saying that Jesus was a sinful man. He was born of Mary, he denied the virgin birth, and he said that Joseph was the father, that Jesus was tainted with sin. Oh, he was a good man, but he was a sinner. And then at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came on him, and the logos, the Greek idea of God, came on him, and it suddenly became divine. And then he went and lived to the cross, and then at that point, the divine escaped, and the divine didn't die. He couldn't accept that God could die on the cross. And so he came with this deviation from the truth, this heresy. Now, those are not issues today, but that was an issue that John was facing in his day. And it's interesting, he said, some have gone beyond. They've kind of tried to be modern. They're trying to fit in with the contemporary Greek culture. Greek culture, Greek thought, was very dualistic. They divided the humanity and the spirituality into two separate parts. And they saw the humanity of Jesus as being evil. They couldn't conceive that Jesus could be fully human and sinless and fully divine at the same time. And it took the church about 300 years uh, until the t time of Athanasius to really see what the Bible teaches on this. It was always there in the Bible, but they hadn't kind of worked it out. And then eventually with the Nicene Creed, it was agreed Jesus was 100% human all his life and 100% divine, always God, always man. Now that's what John is contending for in this little letter. Those who are saying Jesus didn't come in the flesh are denying the full humanity of Christ. Why does this matter? 
Well, if we start dividing ourselves into body and spirit, we go into all sorts of, can I use that word, dualistic things again. We start making secular and spiritual divides. Spiritual is good, secular is bad. Priests are good, just ordinary workers are bad. And that thinking can slip in without you realizing it. This dualism. It was actually the Puritans who discovered the sanctity of work. They said all labor, all jobs are sanctified. If God has given you the job as a farmer, as a doctor, as a whatever, that is spiritual. You're spiritually doing that. And we've inherited a lot from the Puritans. They get a big hammering, the Puritans, but they were very, very right on the sanctity of labor. So John is arguing that because Jesus was fully human, everything that he desired, the hungers, the need for uh, nourishment, for food, water, the bodily things, they are good. All our desires are good. They're not evil. And this knocks on the head a lot of wrong thinking, a whole kind of area of wrong ascetic thinking. So Jesus coming in the flesh is very, very important, absolutely crucial. So, I've, oh, I've lost the, uh, the image there, but uh, you know the second part of my talk is walking in love. Uh, there it comes, walking in love. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, John says in this passage, it gives me great joy to find some of you walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm writing to you, uh, nothing new, not a new commandment, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. It means we are challenged to be those who love to love. And what does that mean? Let's just look at John's message here for a moment. You notice that because he loved this church and expresses his love, he says in verse 12, I have much to write to you, but I want to use, don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Love wants to meet face to face. Unlove means we don't want to meet face to face. We want to avoid. I'm sure you found it, where there's something that's gone wrong between you and somebody else. You just don't want to meet face to face. Something's come in between. But because John is walking in love himself, he wants not just to write in paper and ink. He wants to go and speak to them and share with them all that he has received from God. Why? Because it will fulfill his joy and he will be able to impart some joy to them. What a sadness it is that some people say, oh, I don't need to worship, go to church to worship. I can just worship elsewhere. What about the love aspect? What about the meeting together? What about the fellowship? Do you not miss 
coming together and meeting face to face, one might say to a person who says that. Isn't it lovely that we can be together and share with one another? So, walking in truth, walking in love. There is a lot that could be said about that. I'm not going to say too much more other than when we think about it, ultimately, walking in love is walking in who Jesus is. Jesus, who uh, showed us perfect love. Will you look at verse 3? And with this I'm going to end. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. You know, when we fall short of truth, when we fall short of being uh, the kind of people who love the way we should do, when we're all loving and not truthful, or all truthful and not loving enough, we can come to this verse and think about it. First qu question is, what is grace? Well, let's look at the second word, mercy. Mercy is where we don't get punished for doing wrong. Mercy is where we don't get what we deserve. If a child has misbehaved and the parent is merciful, the parent may not punish the child if it admits that it's wrong. But grace is where we get what we don't deserve. So mercy is what we don't get what we deserve. Grace is where we get what we don't deserve. Grace is the gift to us of total and complete love from God. Total, complete acceptance. Total and complete restoration as a child through Jesus Christ. That is the gift to us that we receive, and we receive it again and again. And as we receive the grace and forgiveness of God and acknowledge the mercy of God to us, so the peace of God floods our hearts and minds. And that's what John wants for his readers to be reminded of. And he wants to remind each one of us. Let's just imagine he was speaking today he would be saying, Redland, I want you to know the grace, the gift. I want you to know the mercy. I want you to know the peace from God, the Father, and from Jesus. And I want you to walk in that, stay in that, in truth and in love. Let's pray together. O oh Lord Jesus,